Welcome to Well Played Podcast, the show on all things playful and joyous. This is a podcast about finding joy in the journey of life. Today I have Quinn Rollins with me, and we are talking about going back, back into the classroom. For some of us, that is just a every year cyclical action for others. It's a, it's a step back into the classroom for the first time in a long time, and that happens to be Harley Quinn story. Uh, before we get too into it, let's have Quinn introduce himself a little bit here. Hey, my name is Quinn Rollins, and I am a social studies teacher. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I taught junior high for 10 years, and then I was in a school district office as a curriculum specialist for six years, and now I am going back into the classroom to teach high school. Uh, I also wrote a book, Play Like a Pirate, Engage Students with Toys, Games, and Comics. Which is a fantastic read. I love it. I use some of the activities found in there every year since it's been published. Thanks. It's, it's good stuff. So uh, you're going back into the classroom. We're all going back into the classroom for, for us. Yep teachers uh for us tech coaches right the year's getting started back up uh but like i said at the intro for you this is a little kind of extra special first year back here um why don't you share with the listeners a little bit about that yeah so uh i have uh i've been out of the classroom for six years and been coaching teachers and training teachers and preaching to teachers about how to uh, about how to engage kids, about how to do things um, better, maybe step up their game a little bit. Uh, but I have always felt like I really belong there in the classroom with with the kids. I mean that I didn't get into education to sit in meetings in a district office. I got into education because I love kids. And uh, so it is exciting to be going back into the classroom. It's also really intimidating. Uh, <laughs> I'm going back to teach high school where I taught 12 and 13-year-olds. And uh, now I'm going to be teaching like 17 and 18-year-olds. And it's, uh, it, it is intimidating. And also just knowing, you know, I'm, I'm teaching alongside teachers that I was uh, – telling them how to do their jobs for several years. And now I'm uh, <laughs> alongside them. So uh, sort of have to put my money where my mouth is or practice what I preach, some sort of idiom. Sure. Uh, that That is kind of an interesting position, really, like anytime leadership's involved, either when the, the teacher sort of gets upgraded to sort of some leadership or, in your case, sort of going back into the sort of trenches alongside that is an interesting sort of shift. Um, but, you know, as you prepare to going back into those classrooms and like have to get, turn the, I always call it the, kind of the machine, turn the machine back on from summer. Um, uh-huh. I, I'm thinking, you know, we all sort of, I don't know, we're all like nervous and excited. It's this, just this interesting sort of night before Christmas sort of moment when, you know, before kids come. <laughs> Uh, filled with all sorts of emotion. What do you think 
you know, you coming into this, well, you know, you know, what, I guess, what are you anticipating for that first day for you and your students, you know, in terms of what you want to roll out, the activity that you want to do, um, how are you going to set that stage for the year? Well, I think, uh, looking back at what I have done in the past, looking back at once what some administrators have asked us to do in the past, I think I've made some mistakes and I want to do it better than I used to do. Um, I remember having years where the principal said, okay, every single class, you need to read your disclosure statement word for word to these kids so that you know, everybody has everything. And I would try to make it fun, but ultimately it was, uh, us reading a piece of paper and I did it like eight times in one day and the uh, the kids sat through it in each class and it was a horrible first day of junior high. It's like, I, I wouldn't want to come back to that. So um, coming into this school, into this high school, there is an expectation that we will cover the disclosure sometime in that first week. Um, not necessarily read it word for word, but make sure the kids know the, the major points that are there. What I am most wanting to do with my first day is starting to establish the classroom climate. And that includes some rules, some expectations that I have for, for every kid. But it also includes, you know, it's a history class, but we're going to have some fun. Um, I, I just updated a blog post uh, about using Play-Doh on the first day of school over at quinnrollins.com. And uh, it's, uh, I, I think, using something like Play-Doh, using something where the kids get to express themselves somewhat. You're not going to meet every kid and know every kid after that first day, but you'll get to know some of them and you'll, you'll show them that you appreciate their input. You appreciate what they're doing and starting establishing that classroom climate that very first day. It's, it's about building those relationships, which, which we all know if you don't have that relationship with the kids, it's really hard for them to learn. It's hard for them to, to get past um, to get past you, frankly, and, and kind of fight their way to your content. Sure. I mean, I, I often talk on my YouTube channel about really the power of the relationship. Um, you know, mm -hmm. once, once you create that relationship with the student, you know, all of a sudden the invitation to have them enter your sort of world of the content becomes an easy ask it, it it almost becomes a want right like we want to do well for the people that we respect and that we know and i think when they know that you want them to do well i mean it's just man that 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 relationship's core it's core to everything we do um and when we try to systematize that with like you said things like read the disclosures um that feels very institutionalized i mean it, it puts you already behind the eight ball in that relationship. Uh, so I think that's really good that it, your school has sort of changed that a little bit so that like you can spin it your own way. It's not word for word. It doesn't have to be day one. Um, cause you do. Yeah. You, well, you, and, and it's the, uh, the school I'm, I'm at, it's a, it's a high school public ed, uh, has over a thousand students. 
and uh, you know, big class sizes, it's really easy for kids to feel like they are just a number, that they are just one of a thousand jumping through the hoops and, uh, and, and that their teachers don't care about them. And I want to get rid of that idea on the very first day. And for some of them, it'll take a few weeks. It might take a few months to, to build a relationship with them. But I want to start reaching out to them on that first day. I think that's like a powerful, um, it, that's a powerful like question that like I'm thinking about listening to you talk, you know, for, for the listeners, if you just like stop and think for a moment, like what are you going to do or what have you done? If you're listening to this later in the year, you know, what have you done today to sort of strengthen your relationship with kids? You know, I think that's just a, well, that's like a right between the eyes and, question. <laughs> well, and if, I don't know, I, I feel like sometimes we, we look at other teachers, um, and honestly, especially some of these teacher authors like me, like you, and you're like, wow, they never have a bad day. Every single day, they're doing amazing things. And I'm not. I have some days where I'm off. I have some days where I'm tired. I have the day after parent-teacher conferences, and I'm like, kids, don't even talk to me. Don't. But if we already have that relationship I can forgive when they have a bad day. They can forgive when I have a bad day. It's true. Because we recognize that we're, we're individuals. We're people. And, uh, you know, I am in the role of teacher. They're in the role of student. But ultimately, we're, we're trying to make this an enjoyable experience where I learn from them and they learn from me. Um, and I, I think that, that having that relationship I, I don't know. I, I rely on having my students being able to forgive my screw ups. Um, cause it, cause it happens. It does. I'm it's bound to high happen. School, so, so they're going to call me on it a lot more than seventh graders did. Ooh, I don't know so, about that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not know if I'm going to agree with you that middle school kids, <laughs> they, they the, middle school kids have no filter. So, that's, uh, that's right. There's like no filter. The high school true. kid might notice that he did something wrong and just sort of in their head pass judgment. Yeah, they'll, they'll Snapchat about it to everybody else. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. All right. So, I mean, again, in the theme of sort of going back uh, into the school year, um, you know, it's also a really good time to sort of reflect for, for us educators that have done this year over year. Uh, you know, what changes are you going to make? You know, uh, I know there's a lot of teachers that sort of set a course at the start. And, and, and if they're not, if they didn't cover it in the first sort of month, they're kind of locked in. Um, and mm -hmm. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. In fact, I really encourage you all to be a little more open-minded. Like I think kids are more resilient than we give them credit. We can change sort of classroom policies and activities and procedures, I think throughout the school year and that's okay. Um, but I do know that lots of people think like this, this first you know, two weeks, three weeks is huge for establishing routines. Um, you know, have you given much thought to like the routines that you want to set in place for your students? Yeah. If, if anything, I have historically been a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. And I, if anything, I want to be better at establishing those routines. I want to, uh, systematize some things so that so the kids know what 
I expect of them. Um, and, and I'm able to assess better, okay, where are they at? What do they need? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get more student feedback than I used to get. Um, and, and things like, you know, Google Forms and Google Classroom, there, there are more ways for them to give me instant feedback than there were six years ago when I was last in the classroom. And, uh, and so I, I want to reach out to them more, um, but I also want to uh, kind of lock down some of those procedures and some of those expectations. And they may change over the course of the school year, um, but I, I want to be, to be better at that. I don't know. There are a lot of things I feel like I could be better at. So this, this is going to be a growth year for me. I, the growth is never painful, so I'm excited. Well, I mean, I, I think it's awesome that you sort of say it's a growth year because I think sometimes teachers, I don't know, want to act like they all have it together, you know? And like, honestly... Oh, man, not our, me. Well, but like, honestly, our profession is so... so multi-hat wearing, you know? Like, even if you have your content down, I mean, there's just so many other facets to what it is to be a teacher, like... I mean, you're part counselor, you're part parent, you're, you're part PR yeah. person, you're part like, I don't know, <laughs> you know, managing systems. Well, well, thinking back to, to my very first years teaching. So we're thinking like 14, 15 years ago, I will run into those students either like on Facebook or I'll run into them in a store or something. And I won't remember their name, but they'll remember me. And they're like, oh, your class was the best. And I just think, man, in my first two or three years of teaching, I was terrible. I would never <laughs> do those things now. I, I I, want to apologize to them. I'm like, I was embarrassed at the stuff that I was doing. Um, and I kind of feel like after having this six-year gap and going to a new school, a new situation, I feel like I kind of get the chance to be a first-year teacher all over again. And that's, that's exciting for me. I think, uh, but I don't think you need to change a school. I don't think you need to leave the profession for years and then come back to it to have that experience. I think having a new batch of kids, having a new approach to curriculum, there are a lot of ways to feel like a first year teacher again, but you have that experience under your belt. And if you're willing to, uh, to try new things, you're going to be able to have that great experience again. My um, head of our school gave a kind of opening statement, uh, I think it was two years ago, and it's probably the only opening statement I totally remember, if truth be told. <laughs> and it was all around that. It was it was encouraging us sort of veteran teachers to, to be more like first-year teachers. Like, you know, she, she really called upon us to think about back in your first year teaching you you know like you were planning sort of the night before but you were trying new things and like nothing was set in stone you were more flexible you know when people said hey you want to try this you were like yep because you didn't have next week planned so you didn't throw anything away to make that to make room for that but then out of that came some of those great things that we hold on to now like now when somebody says you want to do something you're kind of like well you know that's going to interfere with this project and that unit so like you kind of say no but it was actually back in that first or second year when you were just saying yes to everything that you created these amazing units that you're holding on to um i thought it was a really powerful message that like give way you know and and 
be that first-year teacher again. And I thought it was actually empowering for the people in the room that felt like they are the first-year teacher already, right? So it was kind of like you guys have some of the magic that maybe some of us are living on autopilot. You know, we're like, sweet, I'm just, you know, phoning it in and like... For the record, I'm not right. phoning it's, it it's in. But there's lo- this is what I do. <laughs> yeah, there's I, lots of people I tell all the do. same jokes. Yeah. Yeah, they become robotic about it. Yeah. So no, um, I I feel I feel fortunate in a lot of ways uh, to be in this position. Um, yeah, it's I'm 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 very excited about this about this new year. So it's it's good to be there. The the other thing I want to do on the first day. Um, is is introduce pieces of content and sort of pull out some review things like what do they already know about what they what what we're going to be learning this year what are they most excited about what do they not know anything about what do they not care about i want to to sprinkle the content into the icebreaker things we're doing so if i am using play-doh some of the stuff we're sculpting is going to be history related some of it will be about the school, some of it will be about their own personal life, but I want to get some content in there. I don't want to give the impression that, you know, the first day is all just warm and fuzzy, like it's warm, but it might not all be fuzzy. You know, there might, that there will be some, that there will be some, some content in there. They, they should know that it's a history class when they leave the room that day. No, I think that's so, good. You know, like coming from somebody that, I mean, you wrote Play Like a Pirate, I wrote Explore Like a Pirate, all about sort of playful learning, and, you know, I think sometimes people can misjudge, like, what happens on a day-to-day basis in our class. Like, it's not, every day is right. not, it's, it's not just, uh, we're not just playing Candyland every day just to amp up oh, the experience. That, that'd be awesome, though. <laughs> That's a different type of school. Uh, so. <laughs> that is, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, so I think it's important that we note that like in our classes, like we're still, we're still focusing on, you know, the content is sort of still the centerpiece and as, a, as is the student, you know, and our, our sort of methods to get at it is just a, I guess in our experience feels like a better way to get at it, but we're, we're still focusing on the same things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, thinking thinking through some things for some of the other people listening. So, when you are going to start that new year, you talk you're talking about Plato. You reference this uh, activity here on your uh, your blog that people could check out and people could try. Uh, what are some other like, you know, maybe it's not first day, but like, what sort of like other activities do you and I do in that? in that first two weeks? You know, I try to find as many ways for them to express who they are in a safe and scaffolded manner. So for, uh, well, one of the things I do early in the year, and again, this is for a social studies class, but we sort of take an anonymous survey that places them on a political spectrum from uh, left to right. It doesn't tell them if they're a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, it doesn't tell them who they would vote for. It just places them on a continuum. And uh, you end up with this sort of bell curve, and I have all of my students from each class plot where they are. 
and uh, it ends up pretty much a perfect curve. And after they've placed themselves on it, um, I can refer back to that throughout the school year. So I'll have it up on the wall. And when we're talking about current events, when we're talking about historic events, we can go back to, okay, if you were here in the spectrum, what would you be thinking about this event? Um, nice. So I, I like I like doing that. I like uh, I, I do I have them design their own superheroes that represent both themselves and uh, a core democratic principle. Um, I talk about that in my book somewhat. Um, there 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 are I don't know there, there's so many things to do in this first month. I, I really try to bring it back to them as often as I can. And part of it is me getting to know the personalities of these kids. And, uh, and part of it is them knowing that they're going to have fun in this class and that I do care about what they're saying. I put up their work on the walls. I'm going to be doing that with junior, uh, juniors and seniors. You know, it's like they, they I, I want think, to see their work up on the wall too. I think that that's one of those things we, we forget to do. I mean, I think that's so awesome to hear you doing that. Um, in sort of my line of work, my, my sort of book, uh, take is a lot of times high school teachers are the ones that I often have a little bit of resistance in terms of gamification. They're like, well, our high school kids wouldn't. And it's like, oh my, like I have helped countless <laughs> high school classes do this. And everyone comes back and says like, they dig it, they eat it up almost more so because they've been in this like drought, like this. And then all of a sudden your class, that activity, that, that, that frame of reference uh, with sort of the game style and in this case sort of a display, right? Like part of a game is status. So having that status of like, dude, my paper made the wall, my superhero made the wall, uh, I think they like it yeah. more, more than you, you would know. So that's so good to hear that you're well, doing it. Something that is a, is a source of frustration for me as the father of two sons that are in high school, as someone who works with a lot of high school teachers, you you have teachers who talk at kids for 90 minutes and say, well, I'm preparing them for college. No, you're, you are, they want to be engaged too. They want to have fun. They want to be excited about what they're learning. So if you're lecturing, you know, lecture some. There's some stuff that can be delivered via lecture, but... You also need to do things that uh, that make them care about being in that room with you. Yeah. And uh, so, so, so I think things like gamification, things like having a day sometimes where you use Legos or you use Play-Doh, where you talk about superheroes, that that kind of seasons seasons the the rest of your the rest of your curriculum. I don't do it every day, but but it's that's those are the things that they remember. Those are the things that they're excited about that sort of carry them on to to care about the Great Depression, which is the most fun topic for high school kids <laughs> to learn about. But uh, if you can make it a little bit more palatable, then uh, you might get more of them on board. I have to say, I hope I don't offend anybody here, but. Uh... I have to say, I still remember, and not in a good way, reading <laughs> and reading the Grapes of Wrath 
And I love the Grapes of Wrath so much. Oof, we had, but I we will had say this. Two very different experiences reading it then. It's because my English teacher was she was funny and she was smart and she she had fun with it. And a lot of times the funny and the smart went way over my head. But the stuff I did get, I really liked. And so I ended up really loving the Grapes of Wrath. Which and John Steinbeck, I kept on reading John Steinbeck after that, and uh, really, really loved it. And it was because of the teacher, not because of John Steinbeck. There you go. I mean, like again, so, it it comes back to the relationship. Then it does. Like my English teacher was just getting through content and just sort of saying, "You should like this book because it's a famous book. Like this book," and I was just like, "This is very dry." No pun intended. Because <laughs> it's the Dust Bowl. I Very know. Dry. I see, see why I did that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. It's all right. By this time, no one's listening. So, <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who are still listening, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, for me, back to school, I will say uh, I put a lot of thought and effort into that as well. I really like what you're saying too about making sure we don't like avoid content. It's not about having like a super playful two, three days and then, and then just give them the harsh reality of I'm going to lecture at you all day. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we don't want to like do a bait and switch on them. Uh, but in my first sort of week, I actually dedicate quite a bit of time to uh, team building and getting to know the students. And I have done this. Oh, I mean, I've been at this job for 10 years and I went my previous three years at my previous job and I have always done that. I've like dedicated an inordinate amount of time, like more, like whatever. Like if you think two days is too much, I double it, like whatever. Like I just gave it a ton of time and I always feel like that investment has super paid off throughout the year. Like I know my kids, uh, I feel like that, that sort of invitation to be a part of my class is there. Um, so some of the activities I do, uh, I always like to use the sort of marshmallow spaghetti tower activity. If you've, mm -hmm. if you've ever done that one. Um, now that I gamify my class, I sort of wrap that a little bit into the storyline of my realm of nobles. We're like, I'd say we're building these towers, these defense towers or whatever. And the house nice. that's we add up all the like i usually have four groups in a class we add up the heights of all of them so it's like a it is a class-wide team thing you're not actually trying to beat anybody in there you're hoping your class has the highest total height yeah does that make sense so um yeah so you're that's getting, like inter-class competition in there too and yeah so and then what i love about that activity is while it's not content specific for me it is like one of the quickest ways i've ever been able to on day one or two instantly sort of understand who are my leaders who are the ones that are going to like choose to like mm -hmm. totally drift into the back who are your worker bees that are like we'll do whatever the leader yep. says and who, you know, who are the punks that are literally just being sticks in the mud, but don't really want to help. Um, so I get that right away. Um, yes. Then I've done, I've done some Lego activities where I've asked them to sort of build out some things. We've done some different discussion work, some jigsaw 
sort of things. Uh, but I think the the suggestion I would give everyone is, you know, check out that sort of uh, marshmallow tower uh, TED Talk. And, oh, and I want to say that too. The TED Talk on that is only like six minutes or something. And mm-hmm. so actually after we do it, I actually do play that whole TED Talk in its entirety because it is just a powerful message about learning from failure, iteration, and like typically, and what he says typically happens in my class that people really move towards one design and it's like they only put the marshmallow at the top in the last like minute. So they're not able to like learn from that failure where the, he talks about the kindergartners are like the second best at doing this because they're constantly putting the marshmallow on the top. Like they build it up an inch, they put it on the top and they learn from that. Um, so if you're going to do it, check out the Ted talk as well. Uh, so I gotta say, I can't believe it, but our 30 minutes is up. So before we go, I want to give you our reflection quote here. You ready? I am ready. Sweet. All right. So I think this really fits today. What we're talking about, how, how we're talking about it. It comes from F Scott Fitzgerald and it goes as this. Strength shows not only in the ability to persist, but the ability to start over. How does that for you connect to what we're talking about? You know, I think about those days, those hard, hard days where uh, you teach something in first period and it doesn't work but you keep on doing it the same way in every class after that. And for, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, that that would be persisting. And uh, sometimes persisting isn't isn't going to help you. It's not going to help your kids. And you go home at the end of the day, and you're just beat. You didn't get energized because you, you didn't take a step back and look at what you're doing and, and start over. And I, you know, I said before, I feel very fortunate this year. I feel like I do get to start over. But that's one of the great things about our profession is that when we come back to school in August or September, we have that chance to start over. You know, it's not like we're in business. We're not in accounting. We are in education and we are able to get that new batch of kids each year. We get to start over and we can do things better than we've done them in the past. And I... I love that. I, uh, you know, echo, echo, same, same. I love, (laughs) I love, you know, that idea that every year is a new year. But what I want to sort of encourage everyone this year, you know, if you want to join me in on this, uh, listeners, but what I, what I really want us all to recognize is that every day is a chance to start over. So like Quinn's saying, every hour is a chance to make an adjustment. Like don't put off being that better version of yourself to next year when you're like, well, I'll put this new idea in place next year. Like step up, do it now. Like I, I always tell my sixth graders, this is their one time in sixth grade world history. Like how are they going to leave a legacy? And I think when we flip that question around on ourselves, that this is our one time teaching this batch of kids, don't wait till next yep. year to get it right. Do it. Do it now. 
Absolutely. So, well, I mean, Quinn, thank you so much for joining us on Well Play. This is your second time on the on the show, and it's great to have you back. And thank you. I'm yeah. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> nice. And uh, everyone else, if you are listening to this on the day that it came out, this is the last day of the Hive Summit, so make sure you watch those videos. If you're listening to this any other day than the day that it came out, uh, you missed the Hive Summit, but you can still go to <laughs> you missed it. You can still go to hivesummit.org and sign up to be on the mailing list so that you don't miss any other PD updates. There are going to be many more things shared throughout the school year about uh, you know PD that's happening and good ideas shared out uh, from the likes of people like Quint. So uh, stay. You know, stay tuned on that. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. It is an honor every week to sort of learn, listen, and play with you guys. So enjoy your week and play on.